0: This seaweed powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at Oseamalibu.com. That's O S E A Malibu.com code GLOW.
1: In three, two, one.
2: Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie Easton, and this is The Sunday Sun. In today's episode, there's promising new research for multiple cirrhosis, scientists are leaving COVID high and dry with the help of the humble cannabis plant, and gene editing is coming to the UK. But first, it was on this day in 2020 that China locked down the city of Wuhan and its 9 million people in an effort to control the city's COVID-19 epidemic. Two years later, we're still working on getting that pesky virus under control. Multiple sclerosis is a progressive neurodegenerative disease that affects nearly 3 million people worldwide. Despite decades of research, the cause of MS has remained a mystery. Now, new research from Harvard points out to one of the chief suspects, the Epstein-Barr virus.
0: So this really has been uh, the culmination of two decades of work by us and other um,
2: investigators around the world. That's Dr. Cassandra Munger, a senior research scientist in the Department of Nutrition. Uh, I have been working in MS research for over
0: 20 years. We have been focusing on Epstein-Barr virus and other risk factors for um, the development of
2: MS. Epstein-Barr virus, also known as EVB, is one of several known herpes viruses. It's one of the most common in humans, infecting between 90 and 95% of adults.
0: EBV has been particularly difficult to study because it's such a ubiquitous virus. You know, uh, About 95% of the world's population is infected with EBV, Um, but MS is extremely rare. So in order to really show in sort of an observational setting that EBV is likely a cause of MS, we need to have a group of individuals who are EBV negative, who we can then follow over time to see if and when they become EBV positive. And if so, if experiencing that primary infection then increases their risk um, of
2: MS. So the research team needed a huge set of data. They analysed 62 million serum samples and medical data collected from more than 10 million US military service members. And they found that EBV infections increased the odds of an MS diagnosis during their service by more than 32-fold. Mariana Cortez is a research scientist who also worked on the study.
3: The way to think about it is that MS is likely a rare complication of this viral infection. Uh, We see this uh, in other diseases, right, Um, or exposures. Um, Many more people smoke than potentially get lung cancer. You can uh, think of many more examples like that. So likely EBV infection is um, the most important factor that puts you on a high risk for MS. But then there are probably other things that play a role that need to uh, come along your life course uh, to, for you to really develop that disease.
2: While there are some genetic factors and risk factors like low levels of vitamin D, a history of smoking and obesity early in life, EVB seems to be the common denominator. And now that the initial trigger for multiple sclerosis has been identified, perhaps it could be eradicated. While there's no vaccine against the Epstein-Barr virus yet, many groups are trying to develop one. And earlier this month, Moderna announced that it had begun testing mRNA vaccines in people.
3: I'm hoping to, in some years, maybe we we will be able to say we can cure MS or, uh, you know, really give hope to so many patients and families. For me, it really does feel like, you know,
0: the culmination of 20 years of work, you know, that we've been incrementally moving toward this paper, toward this study, um, knowing that this is what it was going to take to really show that EBV is a cause of MS.
2: By 2050, more than 153 million people could have dementia, up from 57 million in 2019, experts are warning. Lifestyle habits, obesity and smoking are among the risk factors likely to drive this increase. Emma Nichols from the University of Washington authored the paper. She says cases are likely to rise in every country, but researchers estimate that North Africans and the Middle East in particular are likely to see a dramatic rise.
0: The projections in, in, the, in North Africa and the Middle East were, were quite large, um, and this was due to um, large increases both in population growth and population ageing. And so these two demographic factors, um, in particular in that region, drove these large anticipated increases in dementia burden.
2: Dementia leads to a loss of brain function, thinking, reasoning and memories. Researchers say that although the numbers are not yet set in stone, they should be a warning to act now.
0: This is an important disease to consider um, in terms of future planning, no matter where you are.
2: Europe will probably see less of a spike with an estimated 14 million cases in 2050 compared to around 8 million now. Experts like Dr. Carrie Harrison Denning from Dementia UK believes this is in part due to a longer history of grappling with unhealthy lifestyles.
4: Healthy diets, lower
0: alcohol intake, stop smoking. Uh, So there's this sort of mantra, look after the heart and you'll look after the head. We're now starting to see a decrease in the numbers of some dementias such as vascular dementias. So the, the sort of health promotion elements of managing risk factors is starting to have an impact. Overall, we still do need to um, consider the importance of of any increase and and preparing for um, the needs of this population um, as well as any potential interventions and future research that can help us.
2: Still to come on the Sunday 7, the science behind treating COVID with cannabis and what's next for Tonga's volcanic eruption. According to new research, there's a plant that could help fight against COVID-19. It first evolved about 28 million years ago on the Eastern Tibetan Plateau, and depending on how you spent your uni slash college days, it might look a little familiar. According to a lab study published in the Journal of Nature Products, compounds from cannabis prevented the virus that causes COVID-19 from penetrating healthy human
1: cells. We found that there are three compounds in hemp, all cannabinoids, which binds to the spike protein of the sars coronavirus 2 that causes COVID. Then we were able to test two of these compounds called CBDA and CBGA, and we found that these two compounds are effective individually in preventing the virus from infecting human cells.
2: That's Richard Van Bremen, a researcher with Oregon State's Global Hemp Innovation Center. While these results are impressive, Richard emphasises that they're based on studies in a lab and not
1: humans. Our studies at this point are preclinical. They are laboratory-based, cell-based, in vitro experiments with cell culture and live virus. We are in the process of developing and hoping to work with clinicians to establish the efficacy of these compounds in clinical trials.
2: And if you're hearing cannabis and getting worried, Richard says the compounds are not psychoactive. They won't get you high, and they're found to be most useful in preventative approaches.
1: So people who've been exposed to other individuals with COVID and need to isolate, could take a, a pill like a cannabinoid extract and stay healthy because of the antiviral capability of these compounds. People can ought not to be relying on them, say, when hospitalized with severe COVID infections. I wouldn't advocate for using cannabinoids to treat them to get well. We anticipate that ingesting these compounds as pills, tablets, that sort of thing as dietary supplements or as pill form as medicines will be more effective than smoking or vaping because the acid forms of the cannabinoids like CBDA are sensitive to heat.
2: Although cannabinoids have a long history of safe human consumption, more research is needed to determine just how effective it could be in combating COVID.
1: We believe that quite quickly we'll be able to move from these preclinical findings to the clinic and demonstrate efficacy in people. The reason we can move quickly is because of the experience we already have had with over-the-counter hemp preparations and extracts containing cannabinoids. very hopeful that we'll see clinical evidence during the next several months that cannabinoids and cannabinoid mixtures can prevent COVID from occurring in people exposed to the virus.
2: On the of January, Tonga's Hunga Tonga volcano violently erupted. The underwater volcano sent tsunami waves across the Pacific as far as the Russian Far East, Chile and Peru. With such a far-reaching impact, you might wonder what other effects could be witnessed from the event. After all, there's a long-standing theory that large volcanic eruptions have led to mass extinction in the past. Cote A. Yong is an associate professor at the Singapore University of Social Sciences, and he explained exactly what he thinks
4: could come next. Now there are two effects one can think of, Uh, one is concerns uh, the presence of sulfur dioxide gas which uh, by the time it enters the stratosphere it would have been converted into sulfate crystals. Uh, We know that sulfate crystals scatter sunlight so there is a possibility one might imagine theoretically that uh, it might cool the earth's surface because it scatters the sunlight and hence less sunlight reaches the surface. Um, the amount of sulphur dioxide uh, ejected is about 400 million uh, kilograms and that is an amount that is about 50 times less than a very famous uh, 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 volcanic eruption by the uh, Pinatubo in the Philippines and that means um, it cannot have as great an impact as the Pinatubo eruption. The Pinatubo eruption caused uh, something like uh, 0.6 degree Celsius of cooling on the Earth's surface um, so this one being 50 times less uh, will not really have a substantial impact on the uh, global surface. Um, but there's another aspect to consider. Um, we might worry about the carbon dioxide that is ejected into the atmosphere um, because we know that carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas and greenhouse gases are the responsible for our human-caused uh, global warming today. But again, the amount of carbon dioxide that is ejected is much smaller compared to the amount of carbon dioxide emitted by our um, industries and our transport. And so even the greenhouse warming by the carbon dioxide ejected by this volcano is negligible. Um, So in in terms of these uh, uh, impacts, uh, one one can be assured that uh, not much global impact will be seen.
2: Still to come on the Sunday 7th, scientists are tricking mosquitoes with fake blood, and we hear about how climate change is impacting everyone's favorite flightless bird. Right after this.
5: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.
2: You're listening to The Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso, or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places. saying goes you can catch more flies with honey than vinegar, but Swedish scientists are taking this a step further. They've developed synthetic blood to attract and kill malaria-carrying mosquitoes.
3: If you find a molecule producing by the parasite, malaria parasite, we can add these molecules to any solution, and that molecule actually makes us tasty for mosquitoes. And then if we add this molecule to other products, like bitter juice, we can make products, can attract the mosquitoes, and if we add a trace of toxin in it, combined with these molecules, mosquitoes eat it and die.
2: That was Dr. Nushin Emami, a molecular infection biologist and co-founder of HealthTech Molecular Attraction. They claim this cheaper, targeted method of pest control could be an alternative to mass pesticides that impact the entire ecosystem. Dr. Lechignatovich is CEO at Molecular Attraction, and they explain.
6: So At the moment, the most effective way of fighting mosquitoes is still using pesticides. But we know that pesticides are killing not only mosquitoes, but also other insects and other um, forms of life. Plus, they are dangerous for people. So if we can use something which is as cheap and as scalable as pesticides, we can actually eliminate them. Our product is environmentally friendly because it doesn't kill other insects and uh, also it's harmless for people.
2: Mosquito-borne diseases kill more than 700,000 people every year, and malaria alone accounts for half of that.
6: I usually try to avoid every single weapon type of analogy, but here it's like instead of having just carpet bombing, this is more like a smart bombs which are directed into one particular target. Pesticides are killing every single insect which are coming in contact with, right? Here, even in a very dense environment, especially in the jungle environment or tropics where you have a lot of insects, we can pick the ones which we want to get rid of and target those and leave alone all the rest of the ecosystems.
2: week, the UK Parliament passed new legislation that's designed to help trials of gene-edited crops in England. It's part of a gradual approach towards gene editing by the UK Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs after public consultation last year. If gene editing your dinner sounds a little too sci-fi for you, you've got nothing to worry about. Dr. Gideon Henderson is DEFRA's chief scientist, and as he explains...
7: For centuries, humans have been breeding our crops and our animals to make them better for our purposes. Nearly all of the crops and animals that we rely on for our food now have come about through this natural breeding process. And they've deviated now a long way from the native species that we find in the wild. Now, this breeding process, while very advantageous, takes a very long time. It can take decades or longer to breed a new type of crop or livestock for our advantage. Gene editing works by making very precise cuts um, in the genetic sequence so you can remove particular genes from within a species and you can potentially move genes within that species as well. It differs from other forms of genetic modification, which are more commonly used to insert genetic material from a different species into the species you're interested in gene editing is nearly always used to make modifications within the same species and therefore mimics closely the process of natural breeding. We can combine the traits within a species that will enable that species to be resistant to pests or to disease and therefore enable us to lower the use of chemical pesticides in the environment with significant environmental benefits. We can also breed um, using these genetic engineering approaches crops that are
2: more resistant to climate change. Scientists in Antarctica have discovered that different types of penguins are facing different types of consequences of climate change. Some species are declining in numbers as the result of disappearing sea ice, while others are increasing due to rising temperatures. Michael Wethington is a researcher from the American Stony Brook University and is working on the front lines of Antarctica's changing climate. With the rest of his research team, Michael compares numbers of penguins with previous records to give an indication of how climate change might be affecting survival of different species. They're primarily looking at Adelie and Gentoo penguins.
8: The Adelie penguin, which is has a really sort of tuxedo-like Image. they're they're very cute and very proper looking gentoo penguins are have a bright red beak uh, sort of a bright orange red beak uh, and a really cute white patch on the top of their heads they're uh, sweet as a button um, and are they're just wonderful to work around.
2: On the latest expedition, they discovered a new gentoo penguin colony on Anderson Island, making it one of the southmost records for gentoo penguins breeding in Antarctica.
8: They're more tolerant to, to to warmer conditions that lack really heavy sea ice. Um, we, we've kind of seen this as a case where you actually have uh, uh, a species in the, that in the face of climate change and a warming region of Antarctica, their populations are actually sort of dramatically increasing.
2: But for the cold-loving Adélie penguins,
8: when we find Adélie penguins, you typically know that sea ice is nearby, and whenever you know we've seen sea ice declining or disappearing altogether, then we're seeing co- uh, corresponding penguin populations or adelis decline substantially. While we still have time and we still have penguins existing and not you know, going to extinction as a result of climate change, this gives us a really unique opportunity to both identify locations within Antarctica that are really important for mar- establishing
2: marine protected areas. This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favor and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. with the
5: regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend.
2: Written, produced, and published by
5: Daft Doris.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.